Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And Jamie, what have we gotten ourselves into with this episode? Well, I'm pretty sure it's happening in a galaxy far, far away. And maybe a long time ago. Maybe a long time ago. Wow. I mean, when we uh, picked a topic... I mean, we we really couldn't have went any more broad <laughs> and deep than this. Um, we're not we're not only talking about one Star Wars movie. Okay, hold on, hold on. I want to interrupt you. Okay. Go ahead. If this goes long, I want you to blame Dwayne. This was Dwayne's baby. This this is his idea for how to do this. So. Yeah, you can, you can blame everything on me today. <laughs> yeah, er, everything will be my fault. Uh, but yeah, so instead of one Star Wars movie. Or one even Star Wars saga, original, prequels, sequels, expanded universe, Lucasfilm, all that. We're just going to take a look and survey of the whole kit and caboodle. And we, we are going to break it down in the, in the future. And we, we've talked about doing like a summer of Star Wars. We're going to do some kind of retrospective eventually. Yeah the, but, yeah, the movies are just too great. Uh, you know, the content's just too great to leave on its own. But, you know, with the situation of things that are happening in Star Wars right now. Yeah. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot up in the air right now. And so, I, Dwayne, like I was joking before about you know, it's going long. We probably will go long. But, um, I mean, it, it's a good idea. Dwayne wanted to talk, like, you know, big picture. What's what happening in Star Wars? You know, what's the legacy of the past? What's happening right now? And sort of like looking forward in the future. Maybe what we, what we would like to see. Um, you know, what... You know what, what what we've been told is coming. Mm-hmm. What's been canceled? He's gone extensions, all all that kind of stuff. But um, and so I think we're gonna have a good episode uh, this evening, and um, I'm pumped. And we we've tried, we've been coy with each other, and so I don't know all that Dwayne's got in mind that he wants to discuss, and I I've, and I don't know all that you have yeah. to, to discuss. So I'm really interested in in some of your views. But but to open, these. Dwayne, I, I just want to hear what what has Star Wars meant to you? Star Wars has meant. All legend, all mythology, summed, distilled down into its basic form. <clears throat> you have the everyman, Luke Skywalker, you know, to- taken from classic Joseph Campbell. You know, a nobody comes up to be everything. And, you know, this great grand adventure he goes on. And... You know, that as as I was a youngster, I mean, I remember seeing C-3PO and R2-D2 on the TV was a, a commercial. And I'm like, <gasps> and we went to the theater and was just like, <gasps> and I mean, it's been lightsaber wars and the force ever since. Yeah, that and then that was seven. I'm, I was born in 74, so I was a young lad in 77. And, you know, I still have some fond memories of that. And, yeah, my parents, of course, like we've discussed on here before, probably took me to some movies too young <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, exposed to some things. But, you know, it was a, a wonderful experience growing up. So, uh, I mean, from action figures to comic books to novels to coloring books to stories on cassette, uh, even, you know, record albums uh you know star wars has been a part of my pop culture yeah and how about yourself james what star wars meant to you well i mean i was born in 1980 oh. and so i've never known life without ch- star wars a child of the empire <laughs> <laughs> and so like it's always just kind of been in the atmosphere like i was i like growing up and until i would say the last decade mm-hmm. i would never consider myself like 
this huge Star Wars fan. But we were just saturated with Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. we always played Star Wars. We had, you know, we made the, we all knew how to make the lightsaber sounds, you know, and we mm-hmm. all knew the characters. We'd all seen the movies. We'd all, I mean, I remember fondly watching the droids cartoon. Oh yes. And I mean, Star Wars was just kind of the air we breathed, you know, in as far as like, you know, us nerds. I mean, it was Star Wars was the thing. So like, I was big into Dune. I was into Lord of the Rings, that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, if you ask me what my favorite fandoms were, like what I was really into, it wouldn't have been Star Wars. But because everybody was, yeah, everybody was in a Star Wars. Yeah, and so it wasn't like this distinct thing that set, that set me apart because everybody loved Star Wars. Yeah. Whereas like you know my love for Dune was that was different. There weren't a lot of you know the nerds that were into Dune, and so but in the last I would say oh, five or six years, um, I've gotten really pulled in, and I think it was this. I mean, and it wasn't even the movies that really pulled me back in. It was actually the Timothy Zahn Thrawn novels. Yes. When I when I, I was told to like find, read these. I was like, okay, I, I don't. I'd read like a few of the Jedi Academy books, and I wasn't mm-hmm. really impressed. Um, and then like, okay, somebody told me like, read, read Zahn's Thrawn books, and it, it pulled me in in a way that like, okay, I want to know more about this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 back into this world in a major way, and since then I've been mildly obsessed, and um, and to the point where I'm reading all of the new books, and not. I don't think any of them are really as good as the Thrawn trilogy. I'm reading, mo- I've read most of the new books, and I'm reading all of the comic books and stuff. I mean, I'm, they, Timothy Zahn sucked me in. Yeah, Zahn's a trilogy, you know, and it came out in '91. It was really uh, the oh, I, first. Oh, I was really late to it. Yeah, ex- yeah, it was really the first expanded universe stuff that happened uh, coming out in '91. You had the um, before that, you had the um, West Coast Games manuals, and they would go through and take a character and say. Well, you know, here's a card game, and here's a character, and they would, you know, lay out his storyline. Uh, but Zahn, you know, being directly hired by Lucasfilm uh, to create those, really, you know, ex- exceeded, I think, any imagination of what it could be. And then the expanded universe just grew and grew and grew. Now, I'm going to be honest. I've dropped the novels since the uh, <laughs> since. Probably even before the Disney purchase. But you were really invested in the old canon. I was really invested in the old canon, uh, but uh, it, it just got so diluted at the end. Um, I really had to drop it. But, you know, I, I know we're going they're, to... And, and they're getting there with the new books, I think. Yeah, that's... I'm, af- I'm, I'm afraid they're going there. There's oh, going to really? be too many, and yeah. Yeah, it can just be too many. And the quality. The quality's already, you can feel it. It's a little uneven. Yeah, because, I mean, when you've got four or five different timelines to pull from, it can really get... Um, really get diluted, you know, in a, in a bad way. But, you know, that's really not what we're here to talk about. Uh, first off, Jamie... Oh, oh, we found a rabbit trail. I'm yeah, sorry. I know, I know. And it wasn't even you. It was it me. It wasn't me this time. <laughs> Yay! Yay. But now, uh, I know uh, we uh, talked about starting this off as talking about our favorite things about Star Wars. You know, we just discussed what really drew us in. And, and I want to take off, if you don't mind, here for a few moments. I actually did a little bit of research. Some stuff I kind of already knew, and uh, some stuff that I, I, you know, done some Google and Wikipedia searching last night, last couple of days, to to make sure my facts were correct. I won't so, tell my wife where you got your yeah, research. Yeah, don't don't tell your wife. Yeah, I want to get in trouble. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I stay in the doghouse enough at my house. I don't need to be in any chores. <laughs> but you know, one of the things that that I love about Star Wars is not only the mythology that's told in the movies. 
but it's the mythology around the movies, uh, the creation of these things. Uh, George Lucas developing the story in this big, huge binder, uh, you know, and it started off as the the Journal of the Wheels, and then it went to the Journal of the Wheels as told to, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi about the adventures of Luke Skywalker. I mean, it just went through all of these various um, iterations until he distilled it down to the core, you know, movies about Luke and Leia and Vader uh, that he examined in four, five, and six episodes, as we find out later. And then, you know, years later, looped back around to tell the story of Vader as a young boy growing up. But, I mean, what Lucas had to do to d- develop those movies and the way that he wanted to tell the story. Before Star Wars, your most adventuresome outer space sci-fi movie is 2001 A Space Odyssey. A little bit of a different feel there. A little bit of a different <laughs> feel. I mean, where you have the, you know, it's so cerebral. You know, I mean, and, and it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. It's, and and there had been Star Trek, but that was a very different there, feel. Too. It was a very different feel. And like you were talking about earlier, you know, uh, Star Trek is more like submarines in space. Um, whereas Star Wars is more like Top Gun in space. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a completely it, different feel. Star Wars and has the got more swashbuckling, a lot less bureaucracy. Exactly, and that's what Lucas set out to do. And he said, you know, I wanted to tell, I couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon. I couldn't get the rights to Dune. I couldn't even get the rights to Buck Rogers. So I made up my own. And, uh, you know, in doing that, he would take in footage from World War II movies or World War II documentaries of the of these guys flying the planes, of these guys shooting the cannons. And he said, this is what I want this scene to look like. This is how I want it to swoosh and swoop. So, I mean, he had to develop all of the techniques to, to tell these stories. And just a, a lot of new technology, too. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of new technologies. And that's really one of the things I want to get into. Uh, you know, Lucas developed, to be able to tell those movies, Industrial Light and Magic. In 1975, as he was developing the Star Wars, uh, you know, they build models. They develop the camera to track along certain ways. Um, Also, Skywalker sound. I mean, the sound in space. You know, there's no sound in space. We all know that. This is a movie. This is enjoyment, people. Come on. You know, um, Skywalker sound, you know, that records and mixes things. Also, Jamie, a couple other things. THX, I know you hear, you know, when you turn on certain movies, the THX was developed at Skywalker Sound with George Lucas at the helm. I thought DTS was the the digital theater sound or digital, digital theater systems, but it was actually developed with Steven Spielberg. May as well be Lucas. Yeah, they were joined um, at the hip at the yeah, time. Yeah, they were, they were joined at the hip at the time, and... Uh, you know, the first movie that DTS was used to mix down was Jurassic Park. Hmm. I thought that was very interesting to find out. Um, also, one thing that really blew my mind when I heard was in 1983, George Lucas was already developing digital imagery, digital pictures on screen. He created a little company called Pixar. In 1986, they became their own entity. 
Now, of course, Disney bought Pixar. And now, listen. Here's what blew me away. Disney. What has a Disney bought? Right? <laughs> true, true, right? <clears throat> well, now Disney bought Pixar. We were all losing our marbles because they paid, you know, four billion for Star Wars. In 2006, Disney bought Pixar for 7.4 billion. Really? Yes. I never heard the number on that. I, I hadn't either until I was digging in, but I, I knew that Pixar had originated with Lucasfilm, with that. So, I mean, you have all of this technology, all of this, uh, you know, furtherance of movie making uh, established from this guy just trying to tell a little story, you know. And uh, if you if you ever get a chance to watch any of the documentaries where it shows them creating this stuff, it's it's amazing how they, you know, had, you know, fishing line and firecrackers. You know, they were taking battleship kits that you would buy off of, you know, the the hobby shop shelf. And that's the Death Star. That's the that's, that's the uh you know, uh, Star Destroyers. So but it's interesting. There's this there's the blend of like the old school and just like making it up on the fly and um, technological innovation and, that went into it. It's exactly. Exactly. You know, and Lucas's first few films, um, you know, American Graffiti and uh, one it's I think it's 14206 or something which is a qualifying time for a certain race during that year um, you know just about bankrupted American Zoetrope uh, with Francis Ford Coppola who was his original movie partner um, and uh, you know of course if you ever get a chance to watch THX 1138 that's just a weird movie I've heard that I've never went back and watched that one I'll, I'll have to bring you the disc I, uh, I purchased it out of a, a, a I won't say a clearance bin, but a reduced movie bin, a reduced price bin a few years ago. And it's, I had never seen it until then. And it's, it's as odd as you can imagine. See, I, I've, I've not, I've never really heard any good reports yeah. on well, it. Well, I'll tell you, the best thing about that movie is Robert Duvall. Okay. Robert Duvall stars. I like, I like some Robert so Duvall. So we, we, we like some Robert Duvall. Okay. But th- those are just some of my favorite things about, uh, about, you know, the Star Wars. And you know, but, not even along the movies, but just the history. Yeah, but for me, it's all—it's always been the story mm-hmm. um, and the characters. I mean, I've—I've I've really the the overall big picture story of what's happening in that universe and the and the and the characters that inhabit it. And I mean, I've, you really—I mean, if you don't love the characters, then it's not—I mean, it's not going to work. I mean, as good as the technology is, and as good as the filmmaking, I mean, it's—it's it's the marriage of the two with Star mm-hmm. Wars that makes it so powerful. There is—I mean, it's telling a story in ways that's never been told before. So you've you've got the thing that pulls you into the world, but then the story is so well told and it's yeah. so gripping and compelling. Yeah. I think that's what makes Star Wars so powerful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you don't have a character that you care about, yeah. it's the blending of and the a thing. world that you can buy. Yeah, you know, it it's not going to work. Now, like we're talking about, like on the Big Trouble episode. I mean, as much as I love that movie, when that monster's on screen, man. I mean, it's just it, it's there, but there's not really anything like that. It's Star Wars. It all kind of works, and there's nothing that really pulls you out of. I mean, there's. I mean, some of the stuff they did when they remake, when they did the editions, the special editions, whatever you want to call yeah. those. There's some time. I mean, you kind of roll your eyes at some of that stuff, but I mean, largely, there's not much that really pulls you out of the universe. You, you no, can get, not you much can get sucked in, and you stay there. And it's just, it's a really compelling story, and you know. Yeah, even in episode four, of- when you're in the canteen and you're seeing the Halloween masks, I mean, you, you I mean, you legitimately have a Grim Reaper mask. <laughs> You know, you legitimately have a devil mask. They just a rubber mask. They they stuffed to make it fill out and fill in this guy's face. 
You know, I mean, there's a mouse mask. One thing that I thought was hilarious is they uh, had uh, a giant praying mantis model, for whatever reason, laying around the studio. So they're like, well, let's stick that in there. <laughs> well, they film it from one angle and like, oh, we need to fill out some aliens for this other part. They turn the head around backwards and put it on something else and filmed it on the other side of the set. But, but there's there's like the, the, the cantina scene, I think, is a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, like, you're so pulled into the story at that point. You care about Luke. Oh, yeah. What's going on with Obi Wan? And then you meet this really compare, you know, compelling, you know, basically pirate guy mm-hmm. in there. And there's so there's so much weird junk going on in that place yeah. that you kind of don't stop and like nothing's like oh, that one weird devil mask or whatever. Nothing pulls you out nothing of it because there's so out. much there's so much weirdness that you just roll with all the weirdness. Like okay, this is just everybody shows up here. And you know that's another thing about the way the movies were made. They weren't conventional storytelling because you don't meet your main protagonist until you know 18 or 20 minutes into the movie and then you don't meet your other you know sidekick you know han solo character until like you know 30 minutes into the movie you meet your bad guy right off the bat you know he's one of the first things you see on screen uh, after the ships fly overhead you know this the, the faceless stormtroopers come through then this big huge black monstrosity of a you know and that was the awesome thing you know being back in the 70s and and kids i'm gonna tell you guys you just don't understand the debates we had is darth vader a robot is he a man is he a cyborg is what is this thing because you know until uh the uh, empire strikes back and you see his scarred up jacked up back of his head and you're like oh my gosh but he's got that mask on and it connects and all this stuff, you know, is, is he just a head on a robot? You know, we went around and around with this. I don't know if you and, and your friends and brothers did either, but, See, but, but man, me and my guy, me and I, my I cousins, was, we were as far all back about as I can it. Remember, we've we've been, already known that Vader was like uh, dad. I mean, I, I mean, uh, like I said, I was three years old when Return of the Jedi came out. Oh wow! So, the, so I mean, like by the time I, I, I was able to see oh, them and wow. know what I was seeing, it was already the story was all told. The story was all told. So oh, I, wow. I never had that suspense of knowing that stuff. Wow! I, well, I'd heard people had... going around saying, "Luke, I, you know, I'm your father." I, I'd already heard all that before I even saw the movie. Oh wow, that's amazing! Now I remember, is oh, he can't be he can't be his father. He's not even human. You know, we were talking about that, and then it went to. You know, well, Vader was Luke's dad. Well, Obi Wan has to be Vader's dad. You know, I mean, it was. I mean, we went all down through there. It was crazy. It was crazy, Jamie. But um, I mean, this this is some of the things that have really. Do we want to jump into the past the now? We, we, we're we're kind of hanging around the original trilogy as yeah. is. Do you want we want to jump into our thoughts about the uh, the Star Wars past? Let's do that. Let's go ahead and and leap right in. Okay. Well, the the first thing I wanted to bring up was just the phenomenon. That the original mm-hmm. trilogy was because when um, Star Wars, later called A New Hope, mm-hmm. um, came out, it kind of changed the way movies were released I mean, and what and what studios wanted to happen. Because I, mean, I mean, Jaws had happened, I think, two years before, and and things had started to change. But it was just the the ludicrous thing that the new A New Hope was that changed. Like summer blockbusters weren't a thing before. Then I mean this invented the summer blockbuster. Yeah, it changed the industry. I mean, it really did because because now, now it means I mean studios want to have this. They need a summer blockbuster to hit mm-hmm. and you know to have a big profit to to prop up the rest of their 
you know movie a movie releases. I mean, it's it changed yeah. the the whole industry. It's it's the start of the season, you know, and and it's been moved back, you know, from May. I, th- I think now they've even tried to shuffle back into April and March with some of the st- what they're trying to say are summer movies. But yeah, the the original, uh, you know, A New Hope, as it was later to be known, really took the world by storm, and nobody knew what they were getting. And this thing, just by word of mouth, in a matter of days, just went around the globe. Which and, and it was like it was in theaters for like over a calendar year. Wasn't over it? a year, I over mean, a year, and a lot of theaters even after that would show it annually. That's uh, wild. You know, they would they would keep bringing it back annually. And I think that was even my first experience with it. I don't think that I really necessarily even seen it in 77. I think my seeing it was probably closer to, you know, later 78, mid 79 uh, when I actually seen it. Because I remember seeing the droids on TV, probably in commercials. I don't really remember the context, but then I remember going to the theater and, and seeing it. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, original movie wasn't broadcast on TV, I don't think, until just before The Empire Strikes Back came out, if not right after. I wasn't alive, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, I know you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a baby, <laughs> Mr. 1980. You're in Mr. 70, 1974 over here. But it, but it wasn't just that it changed the industry. It changed like what they wanted to release. Because after mm-hmm. that, there was like this big spate of just like Star Wars knockoffs, like Zardoz, and yeah. I mean, just one after another, people trying to cash in. I mean, you look at Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you look at Buck Rogers. Uh, you know, they they had the midget in like a, you know, he was a walking around robot instead of a rolling around robot. You know, smaller. I mean, those things and, don't even exist. And he problems. would speak English, but he would still go bitty bitty bitty, you know, uh, in in the Buck Rogers and. Uh, yeah, the well, things mean, that get greenlit. Battlestar Galactica was probably anything that didn't make the cut for Star Wars they bought. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the ship design and everything. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I love the original Battlestar. I love the original Battlestar. I love the original Buck Rogers. It really filled the gap when we didn't have Star Wars. Imagine that, not having Star Wars. What? I've never experienced that. Yeah, I mean, for real. I know no life apart from Star Wars. Even, even you know, the first three movies, you know, three years apart, and then you have Empire, three years, Return of the Jedi. Then you had some cartoons, Ewoks, droids popping around. You had a few storybooks popping up. You always, I mean, the, are we, do we want to get into the, the, the past of Star Wars? Do we want to go ahead and go to the prequels? Yeah, we can jump into the prequels. And what, what the, I had that in my notes. And what I wanted, the, the angle I wanted to go at with the prequels is what was the mixed response. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are to this day, there are still people who pretend they don't exist. And there's the people who were, you know, we, I was, we were talking about me being a baby. People younger than both of us. Yeah. They're their favorite movies. That's their Star Wars. That's yeah. their Star Wars. I mean, that's their trilogy. Mm-hmm. And they're beloved in the way that we love the original trilogy. Yeah. It's just, this, it's, it's weird to me. And the mix with the prequels, especially for the people who grew up with the original trilogy. Buddy, we had those stories told already with our action figures. That stuff already happened in the backyard on a rock, run some water that may have been lava, 
you know, to, to for the fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know, it, those stories were already told. Vader had already sought out and hunted down the Jedis. And, you know, Lucas comes out with a political intrigue almost, you know, a, a taxation of trade yeah, routes. Yeah, tra- starting off with the trade routes was not the most Yeah, it was not the most exciting thing, but... Which I don't mean to sound too negative. I, I, I like the prequels. I don't love the prequels. I like the prequels. And there are there are aspects that I love. They're pretty much all in Revenge of the Sith. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, there's there's things to like there. But, but my, here's, here's, here's a, a thing I wonder. And, I, and you're, like I said, you're a, little, you're a little bit older than me, and you're a lot older than me in Star Wars fandom. You're talking about playing with your action figures. Could any story Lucas have told in the prequels, lived up to the epic story you had already told in your backyard. No. Yeah, so I mean, what was was it a wise idea even just, to make the prequels? Just a simple, just a simple answer is that no, there was no story that Lucas could have told that could have equaled what we as children had already made up in your mind. I don't think Lucas was unwise in making the prequels because one, he developed. A lot of technology. He developed a lot of storytelling. He filled in some gaps, I think, very well that our imaginations probably couldn't have even went to. I mean, the Emperor being a senator, secret Sith in in you know disguise up to that point that he revealed himself at the end of at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Even then, not even as a Sith, but just as the Emperor. You know, uh, his his power went beyond the religion. You know, in quotations here that, that, that Solo would would talk about. You know, throughout the films, the superstition. But yeah, the uh, the stories could not have touched what what we come up with. I mean, when you have when you have ten, fifteen years, you know, of history here. And listen, guys, I probably hung my toys up a lot later than anybody else did. I was, I mean, I was, I was probably 13, 14. I was, you know, before I really put some of them away. And I'll even go over to my mom's to this day with the kids and she's pulling out boxes of Star Wars figures. And I'm like, you still got that stuff, you know? And she's like, yeah, just stuck it in the closet. Would you quit playing with it? You know, love, love mom's. And, uh, you know, my, my kids are just amazed at, like, uh, the G.I. Joe figures and the Star Wars figures and who is this guy and how did he work out and, you know, what did they do for the interactions. But, yeah, those stories uh, that Lucas, I mean, we had it already figured out. There was no need for him to do that. I just, I, I wonder, because, like, as, as, as just as epic a character mm-hmm. as Darth Vader was, as Darth Vader, I, I just, I wonder if, I mean, I, I, you've already made, you've already, said your piece there but i just i really wonder like there's no story that could be told that was going to like you know imagine you know live up to what the epic of what the character was i'm, I'm not telling i'm not saying this very well but, like darth vader's this thing right he's this this powerful creature and any uh, you can and you don't bring him back to a nine-year-old a boy by telling the backstory. Yeah, exactly you, you lessen his his mystery and his history yeah. and his strength by bringing him back to a nine-year-old boy 
who was essentially, you know, ripped from a family, you know, we're not a family ripped from his parent, uh, you know, taken on this grand adventure, no matter how grand. But what we wanted to see was Vader hunting down yeah. Jedi, you know. Uh, we, there were some weird decisions made. Yeah, there, there was some odd stuff made. But, you know, I think the prequels, uh, you know, had their place. I think they developed what they were, you know, what Lucas set out to develop. I mean, I don't think I, I think he had a bigger plan for Jar Jar. Um, if you see all the development that went into Jar Jar, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, I oh, my, just, by the way, I, my I just showed um, episode one to my kids. Yes, they love Jar Jar. Oh, my kids love it. Oh yeah, my kids love it too. Yeah, but there there are a lot. Of, there's a lot of things to love in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar's not one of them. Um, <laughs> I, I cringe whenever he's on screen, but but like Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan. He's my Obi Wan now. Yeah, he's he was he he took that role over. Um, I think Hayden Christensen by the by the time he's done being Anakin, I think he's got it figured out. Yeah. Attack of the Clones is pretty rough. Well, Attack of the Clones is rough, but one of the things that really got me is if you watch Hayden's performance, and if you compare his tempo and and timber and way of speaking to James Earl Jones in the armor, I mean he mimics. The Vader tempo. I don't know if they were he, going for that. He, well, I don't know if they were going for that, or if it was just an acting decision on his part. But he mimics the 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 tempo of speaking, mm. the, the the odd breaks yeah. that James Earl Jones would would do, um, the sarcasm that Vader would have, the dryness, the dry sense of humor, almost. He really captured that essence. Of course, the thing is. He's a 19, 20-year-old kid. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a weird decision. Not beefed up, not with his voice dropped an octave. See, and, I, and I would have assumed that part of that weird speech pattern was because he's having trouble breathing. Part of the, the breathing apparatus and the, the equipment he's having to wear to stay alive would mm-hmm. have explained the weird speech patterns. I wouldn't have expected him to speak like that when he was 19. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, well was, you know, uh, who's, who's he going to uh, have conversation with? I mean, of course, Obi-Wan the Negotiator. But I mean, I'm sure he really didn't have a lot of chance to develop friendship or relationships, and especially you know talking to any girls, he was probably <laughs> limited to Jocasta New in the library. Yeah. You know the old lady trying to trying to you know sweet talk her a little bit. But but I, but I liked I liked Hayden Christensen's portrayal, and especially like I said, Revenge of the Sith. I, I feel like he figured something out. Yeah. And I really liked him in the third movie and everything the Emperor is in. I mean, all the oh. back. I mean, that guy. I mean, he just. You can't go wrong with Ian McDermott. Yeah, every scene he was in is great. Even in like, even some of the weak, weird stuff in mm-hmm. *Phantom Menace*, which, I, which to me is just, it's, it's a weird movie. Well, you know the the, the but uh, he, but selection of the actors. Oh yeah, he's he's great in everything. But the selection of the actors. I mean, even when it comes down to you know Luke, Han, and Leia were all unknowns. The biggest thing Harrison Ford had been in was *American Graffiti*. I mean, he was not leading man status yeah. until really '83, um, and then you have, you know, Sir Alec Guinness is the only actor in A New Hope who's anything. I mean, you have, uh, you know, Peter Cushing, Moff Tarkin, but I mean, he was a horror actor from B movies. Yeah, you know, he was Van Helsing, and then you turn around in this in the prequels, and you get Ian McDermott. And Natalie I mean, with a very Portman. special set, set of skills. Yeah, Na- Natalie Portman, um, Liam Neeson, yes, a very special set of skills. <laughs> um, I mean, just all of these. Uh, Mace Windu, I mean, Sam Jackson. 
Yeah, people were lining up to get anything. I mean, hello. Yeah. You put Sam Jackson in something. I'm lining up to see it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I just there, there's the, but the the mixed response, and to this day, there is still that mixed still response. A there are still people who pretend that the prequels don't exist. Like they don't acknowledge them as part of the story. Yeah. It, and that and just that intrigues me. It, it really is an interesting t- uh, thing, you know. And speaking of a mixed response, you have the sequels that's coming out to have. A mixed response. We're gonna get I'm there. probably jumping you're, you're, ahead you're a little bit. You're jumping the gun. We haven't even done Star Wars Present yet. Okay. Well, let's, so let's, let's do that. Let's, let's just jump there. So let's, um, let's go right into Star Wars Present. So well, big picture. Um, I'll, I just want to make a make a, a big statement, and then we can start playing with the, with the present. The new movies have been, in my opinion, overall quality. They've been. I've I've enjoyed all four of the new movies. Are there, are there five now? I got lost track. Um. Four. Two numbered, and then you have two yeah. and the two stories. Yeah, you have yeah, uh, there's four. the two sagas and the two Star Wars stories. Yes. Now, I, I, now, I think their approach, they, they made a mistake with the way they relaunched things. But the movies have been good. I've, I've, I've liked all four of the new movies. Now, I think the mistake they made was they basically stole the happy ending from Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. I mean, they open up Han's the space bum, Whose whose life has been who's who's ruined his life, and you know Leia's Leia's starting over, leading another rebellion. Another rebellion, yeah. And Luke has just ran away, and and Return of the Jedi ended on this incredibly happy note. And there's they 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 kind of take that away to start with. Yeah, I I know a lot of people really had trouble with that, and I had a little bit of trouble with that. Luke running away. Luke was always the naive we can do this yeah yeah you know uh, Han of course was a cynical guy but yet they they really negated uh you know the ending of Return of the Jedi by continuing the war for another 30 years by really um you know placing these beloved characters back into such a desperate state of resistance and rebellion and circumstances but I think that's the only real glaring flaw mm-hmm. in the new movies. And that's just like, they, that's how they set up the new movies. They launched from there. I would rather not <laughs> have that been the launching point. Yeah. But the movies have been good. The movies have been good uh, overall. I, I agree with you. The movies have been wonderful overall. I think one of the weaknesses uh, of the new movies, and I'm really interested to see where episode nine goes is the way that they've decided to structure and tell the story going forward that they're working on here. Because, you know, in the past you had George Lucas working from this binder. He had worked out, he had thought about, he had spent this time really pouring himself over. What is the force? How do these people relate to each other? How do these people relate uh, in the universe? But now they're kind of passing the baton. And now... And it's, kind of, know, it's kind of a weird way to tell a, a big picture story. Exactly. It's like, Jamie, you're at this movie. John, you're at this movie. Dwayne, you're at that movie. And then we'll put them all together. It's a weird approach. And it's a very, very weird approach. They really should develop a... Um, well, they've got the Lucasfilm story group. Yeah, they've, they've got the story group. But, but, but the, they're giving the directors a lot of freedom. Well, to tell the story they want to tell. It seems like the story group, Jamie, is there for no other reason than to make sure that the novels and comics fall in line with what the 
the it movies feels that are way. I, I've read virtually all of the Marvel Star Wars comics, yeah. and it, it kind of feels that like they're just making sure they fit they're in. They're just making sure they fit in. Now, that was one thing that I really liked the way that Lucasfilm handled things in the past with the expanded universe, because you had the movies, and the movies were, were of utmost yeah they, they had tears of gospel canon. yeah it was the utmost gospel of canon and then you had the novels which was the next step down well the novels were everyone canon unless, unless it conflicted with the movies then you go to the comic well, the story books. then you go to the video games so you know you, you have those tears there uh, you know, the story group and Lucas wasn't involved in every aspect. But what Lucas did was he made sure all of these movies lined up. One through six told one story. Which, I mean, like I said, I've read a lot of the new novels, and they're too important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a book guy. I love books. I love comic books. I am probably read more than I watch stuff. Mm-hmm. But... They're too important. I mean, Star Wars is a movie franchise. Oh, yes. But there's there, there's things in The Force Awakens that don't make sense unless you've unless read you know the, the Aftermath book. trilogy or you've read the Lost Stars book by Claudia hmm. Gray. Um, and it's all like, like, when I watched The Force Awakens, I left the theater going, okay, I like that movie. Okay, but what's what's the resistance? And how does Who's, that fit in? Where did the First Order come from? Exactly. Who's this old man at the yeah. beginning? And, but know? it all makes sense if you've read Aftermath. <laughs> and if you've read these other books, I'm like, that's, but that's not, I mean, Star Wars is prom- first and foremost, it's a movie it's franchise. It's a movie franchise. And so the, the books, I mean, as much as I love the books, they're too important now. Because yeah. not everybody's going to read the not books. No. I, and I mean, in me, being a huge fan, I have not read the books. One thing that I really enjoyed uh, about this new era coming along and them leaping so far ahead and nobody really having a clue. When we went to uh, see the force awakens when it premiered i drug my wife along there's no lie i drug my wife along now i told her it's just going to be an event you know we're going to go down to this this totally awesome theater you know in virginia a couple you know a couple hours away we'll spend the night we're going to do something she's like let's dress up let's get costumes and dress up i'm like you know i'm a big fan but i've never done that she said let's do it i said oh Okay, whatever. So she just we, wanted to see you in the chainmail bikini. <laughs> well, you know that was that was a whole other, <laughs> and that was a whole other evening, and uh, that'll be for another podcast. And uh, pictures are online. <laughs> Must be eighteen. <laughs> no one's old enough to see those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> no one in their right mind would want to see them. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I'm, I'm sorry. That's my bad. <laughs> So anyway, we go down here. So we're like, okay, what kind of outfits? We well, this guy Kylo Ren looks really cool. He looks really awesome. I dig his armor. I dig his mask. The, light, the lightsaber's wild, man. And it kind of seems like he's just kind of this unhinged, crazy guy. This can be awesome. So who you want to be, honey? Well, I'll be Princess Leia in the classic white gown. So she finds a little more sheer, form-fitting, you know, really attractive. Uh, White Leia gown. She's got the wig on with the buns. We show up at the theater. Everybody's excited. There's people dressed up like stormtroopers. There's people dressed up like Jedi's Darth Vader. I think I even hung out with a couple other Kylo Ren's. And so we're hanging out, taking pictures. Kids are coming up to us. One little girl broke my heart. She came from one side of a packed theater 
all the way down the front, all the way around, and come back up to take a picture with my wife dressed as Leia because she's her princess. Oh. I mean, it's just so sweet and beautiful. But I had always been like, okay, you got to watch this movie. Okay, well, this guy's that, and this guy's this guy, and this guy's connected to this guy, and this guy's over this guy. And she's just like, whatever, I'm done. So we watch The Force Awakens. Max von Sydow's character pops up on screen talking to Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac's character. And now one thing, Max von Sydow's character is not named on screen. I've read a lot of, I've, I've read all of the like, Poe Dameron which, comic books. Right, which we Laura find out he's a Laura Santek. And yeah. now, I'm going to tell you something, I still don't know his story, other than he's just kind of a follower, follower of the religion. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So like I said, says, the books are too important. So she leans over and she said, who's that guy? I said, I have no idea. She said, okay, we're on equal footing now. I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's like, I like this movie now. I can get into it. And she has been excited about Rogue One coming out. She's been excited about Solo coming out. She was excited when The Last Jedi came out. Yeah. I remember we, we went and watched Solo together. So and I remember her being that, pumped for it. Yeah, that. she was pumped for it. And, you know, so all of that baggage of this gigantic and Luke, George Lucas is on record of saying this it's a soap opera set in space so this person's married to that one that person's a relationship with this one that one don't like that one this one don't like that one this one could take the other one's uh, you know car that one broke up with the other one's girlfriend you know it's soap opera set in space I mean it's it he makes it cool by giving them laser guns and spaceships but you know it, it even the playing field for people to be introduced in. And and, and I'm not, like I said, I, I was disappointed with how they handled like the old characters mm-hmm. and the happy ending from Return of the Jedi. But I love the new characters. Yeah. In this, I mean, they they absolutely nailed it. I mean, I love Ray. I mean, she. I I, I mean, I want to know the rest of her story. I don't care if her parents were you know the the losers that Kylo Ren said, or if it, you know it was going to be somebody in the future. I don't care. I, I want to know. I want to know more about her. Yeah. I love Finn. Yeah, and, and great. you really, I mean, I the care about the trail. Yeah, yeah. The and Poe. I mean, Poe's barely on, barely in the Force Awakens. Right. And I want to know more about the guy. You and want to watch it. Rose shows up in Last Jedi. I love Rose. You care. I, yeah. I mean. Her storyline wasn't my favorite storyline. They didn't give her the best stuff to do in that movie. No, they did. But you, I loved Rose. I mean, she was just a really compelling character. I, they were, I mean, they, they've been really good mm-hmm. bringing in new characters, making us care about and them. making you care about them. But I think that's one of the weaknesses, though, is yeah, J.J. Abrams, right? You know, the Force Awakens. That's where that baton thing. And then they hand it off to Ryan Johnson. He's like, "Well, maybe here's something I didn't like. Well, maybe here's something I can yeah. change right here." And I'm just really interested to see in episode nine when JJ gets the helm back and he's like, well, maybe I can negate that or maybe I can bring this back or, you know, we can expound upon that. You know, Luke, me, you, yeah, you look at Force Awakens, there's no chance JJ didn't think her parents were important. Oh, exactly. And then yeah. Ryan Johnson just blew it off. Yeah, he, he, he blew it off. Yeah. But, you know, I think the beautiful thing there is I think through the prequels, Lucas had established this bloodline, this familial. Uh, connection to the force so to speak the beautiful thing about the original trilogy was anybody could use the force and that's that was the reset in the last Jedi that I really appreciate yeah, Ryan Johnson did he, he, did, uh, he, he did he did really good on that but you know um, yeah the the shuffling back and forth with the storylines are, are really confusing but uh, Wait, which yeah. I forgot my 
I mean, my favorite Star Wars character is from the new movies. Mm. Kyle, Kylo Ren, I, to, to me, is the most compelling character. I, I know, I've heard the knockoff. Like he's just a Darth Vader knockoff. There's a completely different he thing going on. He's a completely new there. character, and, and listen, it's so compelling. If you if you don't already, anybody, please follow Emo Calorian on Twitter. <laughs> I will say it that version. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> emo Calorian. That's, that's right. Yeah, that, that's that's it's one friend. of the best follows on Twitter. But, but yeah, he really is a unique character, struggling with his with his own demons yeah and, and, and like and the guy who feels the pull to the light side but also mm-hmm. will just he wants he wants to be stoic and mm-hmm. in control and can't manage it and just loses it you know mm-hmm. like when he breaks the helmet in the last jedi when he loses it in the in that whatever control room that was and he just cut it to shreds you know he, he can't be what he wants to be he i mean it, it's it's really compelling to see that struggle and and i love that he hides behind the mask as you know, dude, a, a I'm a bald guy. If I had hair like that, you'd never get a helmet over my head. <laughs> and well, really, too, I love that his lightsaber is a reflection of his personality. It's dangerous. It's out of control. It's sparking. Yeah. It's it's instead of just a it's laser not a beam. beam blade. It's yeah. it's kind of like this fiery, all crazy thing. Yeah. But they, but they've nailed that. I mean, the characters in the new movies, and even like the not the, like the one off movies, mm-hmm. like Woody Harrelson's character oh. in in uh, Solo is just that guy's great. Yeah. I mean, just his you know his relationship with his wife, and then how amoral he gets after that. It's just, it's compelling. And in Rogue One. I mean, I love Jen Erso, but mm-hmm. I mean Cassie and Andor. Oh, that's great. I'd read all the books. I mean, all the books they want to write about Cassie and Andor, I would read. Yeah. The brilliant thing in that movie is you really see his character when he kills his informant. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. And you see him like, God, here I am doing yeah. this. And you feel him and you can see He's conflicted about this it. this is a good guy who's done some bad things yeah. and really hates himself for it. And that completely informs you of his character. You stick Mads Mikkelsen in, that guy's so good. in a fence painting video. <laughs> I'm going to watch him. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. And he had very little to do in the movie, yeah. but you know, his character was great. And he uh, was great. Um, Donnie, uh, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. I mean, hello. Good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, but Paul, they, but, but Paul Bettany. Yeah, uh, but they've they've yeah, nailed the characters in the in the new movies, and they've really told some compelling stories. Yeah. They've really told some compelling stories. Um, I think uh, that uh, Solo suffered with one being really so close to Last Jedi, Last Jedi being such a controversial movie, and their situations with the directors there. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But you know, Rogue One. I know a lot of people talk about it being such a great movie. That movie was pretty well hand-delivered then by John Knoll, one of the uh, effects guys from the prequel trilogies. Yeah, and um, and Solo was too. I didn't, I didn't know this. Solo, they were working on Solo. Um, oh, was, uh, not Kirshner. Who was the other guy that worked on Empire Strikes Back? Uh, Kasdan. Yeah, he had been he had been working on that script before the sale mm-hmm. to Disney. So so Rogue One and Solo were kind of in the works already. Yeah. I'm going to throw this in with the present of Star Wars instead of the future. Uh, a lot of people with the timeline of the sale to Disney don't realize that George Lucas had already handed Lucasfilm over to Kathleen Kennedy. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know that until recently. Yeah, a lot of people think that 
Lucas was still in 100% in charge until the sale. And that Disney placed Kathleen Kennedy in. Lucas chose her. He handpicked her. And I think he worked with her for a year prior to the sale. Um Getting her, you know, before he retired. Yeah. You know, but I, I, want, I want to get into that a little bit. Yeah. So in we'll, we'll, we'll get into that I've, I've got a whole discussion. That okay. I to go into. Okay. Great. But but you brought you brought up the controversy with the Last Jedi. Yes. And I, I think some of it's earned. I mean, there's there's some hard stuff in that movie. Yeah. I, but I think there's like there's half of an amazing movie there. I mean, every time Kylo Ren, Ray, or Luke are on screen, it's amazing mm-hmm. and it's emotionally compelling, and I can't take my eyes off of it. There, but the, I mean, the slow motion space chase. Well, that's yeah. I, I believe I'd mentioned it earlier. You have the slowest yeah. high speed chase in in the history <laughs> of chases. And I mean, there's and there's stuff like Holdo not telling Poe the plan for no good reason. For no reason at all. And and I I and just killing Akbar off screen. Get you got the weird Princess Leia as Mary Poppins in outer space thing. There's just some weird stuff that happens there. It. Yeah, and it, but but once again, like so, there, there's some like half of the movie's weird, and like and I, as much as I love Rose and Finn, their little side quest, I mean, wasn't the most useful or yeah, beneficial, or I know, even I know they had to have cohesive of a story. Yeah, they had something for him to do, but it doesn't really work. But when you pick up the movie with Luke Skywalker receiving the saber from Ray, and then checking it over his shoulder. Do what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was me when it happened. I'm like, do what? Luke that was the last what? thing I expected. That was the, exactly, that was the absolute last thing I expected. And it really <laughs> set yeah. a thing with that movie like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, because everyone's thinking he's going to take the saber and carry on and train Ray. Well, I was on. imagining, you know, Luke as Yoda training mm-hmm. Ray as younger Luke. I mean, that's what I was imagining sort of the Empire Strikes Back thing, yeah. like the training montages. Exactly. and. I mean, it would have been weird, Luke on her back, running, you know, through, you know, across the islands there. But she's, she, Daisy Ridley's pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, it seemed like she's, you know, in pretty good shape or whatever. But um, that's what I was imagining. Yeah. And he just, I mean, I was not prepared for Luke to be that kind of character and to flatly refuse. Refuse. Luke was the get off my lawn man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a, but, but everything that happens on that island. Everything with Kylo Ren, and when when Ray gets to Kylo Ren, it's compelling. I can't take my eyes off of it, and yeah. it's just the other half of the movie. Kind of I'm like I, I can see some of the controversy there, and yeah. I know that Luke is just this. I mean, like I said, you're you're. I mean, you've lived with this story longer than me, and so it's uh, so seeing Luke portrayed that, that way, way blew me. It's away. jarring. Yeah. I, it had to be jarring. Yeah, yeah. I was I was floored. Yeah, um, and then we come to Solo, which which I think. Maybe the the biggest problem with Solo was that it had to follow such a controversial movie and so close on its heels. In six months. Yeah. I mean, it was just not enough space. I mean, (laughs) Star Wars fans needed more time to breathe, to let the controversy sort of dissipate, and give people time to get excited for it. Mm -hmm. And it it wasn't given the opportunity. No, not at all. And it's a shame, because that's a fantastic movie. It's a really fun movie. I I recently put that out as a recommendation on our Keeping It 100 section, and I stick by that. And I know you do too, Jamie. It's a great I mean, aside from the fact that I try to sit on your lap in a movie theater. I don't think my wife appreciated that, but... um, (laughs) But it is is a great movie. I I just... It makes me sad that how that... I mean, the movie bombed. And I think... It really felt like they were setting up for more stories with Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. And I'll tell you... I don't think those are going to happen now. He's not... 
Harrison Ford. But he's Han Solo. But he really nailed the character of Han Solo. He truly, I mean, by the end of that movie, really, honestly, by the end of... I stopped even thinking the about first, it. Yeah, by the end of when he meets Chewie, he's he's Han yeah. from that from that point out. Yeah. The, the persona is complete. And, and he really did a good job of, like, portraying, okay, what would Han Solo have been like when he was younger... A little more naive, yeah, not world weary yet. I mean, and he really got it. And yeah. I mean, you just and early on, it's kind of weird. Like that's not Harrison Ford's face. That's not yeah. Harrison Ford's voice. Right. I'm probably like 30 minutes in the movie, and I'm I'm not thinking about it anymore. You're buying. He's it. Han Solo. Yeah, you're buying it. Yeah, yeah, you're buying it. One thing I found out that was really neat that they had done, and you see his wide-eyed enthusiasm, is the first time that he leaps into hyperspace. In the cockpit where you can actually see it. They had taken monitors and put over the view screens and really had it filmed. or really had the effect up there of the swirling hyperspace. That makes sense for the huge grin here and on so his face. When, and that was the first time the actors had seen that. Wow. So that was, uh, you know, an honest pure reaction i feel and he really carried it off on screen but I, and i mean donald glover oh my gosh i mean lando hello i mean I, billy d has met his match and l3 is not my favorite not of the my new, favorite but i still i thought she was funny and I, yeah and i as weird as it was i kind of got her and lando's relationship you yeah, know it exactly. was it's super weird but you know you kind of care about him yeah, you know you, you and you see his care yeah, for her is what really brought that into yeah. me. But know? but but like all like I said, the characters are so good. You care like Paul Bettany comes in late in the movie, doesn't have a lot of screen time. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's great. And Kira, I, I mean, I I don't. She's on Game of Thrones. I think. Yeah, she's I don't on watch Game that show. Thrones. I don't know who she was. She's great in that movie. She's great. Yeah, my introduction to her was in a movie that uh, I may recommend. I think that'll be one of mine. Is uh, it's called This Is Us. And she plays. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that movie later. But that was my introduction to her, and she plays a completely different character from Kira, or even from her character in Game of Thrones, which I've seen very little of Game of Thrones. But even the very little I've seen of Game of Thrones, you see a lot of her. Um, in just leave it at that. But, uh, <laughs> I, I've heard. I've heard of the nature yeah, of Game the, of Thrones. Yeah, it's yeah. They but should I, change I just, the name. But I just think. I just think it's it's really unfortunate. What happened to that movie? Because it's just so good. It's a really fun movie. So uh, you want to transition to the future now? Oh, uh, um, we need to take a little break here, and we'll come back in just a moment to talk about the ghost of Star Wars future. And it was at this point in the podcast we realized we were going way too long. So what we're going to do is we're going to break this into two parts. We're going to take a break. We'll come back at you with our next episode, part two, where we discuss the future and our opinions of the Star Wars universe.